the Greek had two words to speak about time, to refer time. The first one is chronos, and it means the chronological succeeding of one moment after the other. It's the tick-tock of the clock. So chronos refers to minutes and seconds. It refers to time as a measurable resource. And we tend to think of about time with this mindset, with a chronological mindset. I use my, my watch to, you know, to see how long I preach. We think of having the day of having 24 hours. We define our work weeks by the number of hours that we work each week. And we have a list of things to do and only so much time to get everything done. So it's very natural for us to measure time in that way. How much time do I have? And time flows in a, in a, in a continuous path minute after minute, hour after hour, day after day, year after year. The other word is kairos, and instead means an appointed time, an opportune moment, a due season for the purpose of God. The, the Bible uses these two words, especially the New Testament, because there is a proper moment to do something to seize the opportunity to open the heart to the grace of God. Some moments are especially suited to make a move, to reach out to someone, to be with someone, to speak to someone, to pray, to repent. For example, we have Lent. It's a proper moment. We have Advent. It's a proper moment for waiting for the Lord and so on. Our liturgical year has, is somehow signed or touched by this sense of Kairos, of the proper moment for what we have to respond. And our life is also touched by this. We have only a brief window of time, for example, to educate our kids. When they're little, you want to teach them something that it won't be as easy to teach when they grow up. Or when a friend is experiencing pain, there's a brief window of time in which to reach out to that person, to be present when someone loses someone, a relative, for example. You have to be there as a proper moment to walk with that person. It's a proper moment in life when we need to make an important decision or when we should respond to a call. And usually we do have signs that are preceding that proper moment, hints that tells us that this is a proper moment for this or that. Jesus says today, that before the summer arrives, the fig tree softens the branches. So it's, it's a sign that it's a proper moment for something. Something is arriving. He says, learn a lesson from the fig tree. In other words, discern the moment, see the signs, be open and attentive and connected. So for Kairos, we need more than a planner, more than a calendar. We need wisdom, and we need discernment. So let's try to apply this to our life, right, or to our situation. We live in the year 2021, 2021 years since the Son of God became one of us, since he took upon himself our flesh. And this is a chronological fact, 2021 years later, here we are. And we are arriving at 
the end of one more year. Soon we will be celebrating 2022, one more year like so many before us. It seems that we shouldn't expect much. Every year comes just like the rest. They come and go. Yet, that is in the chronological sense of the word. In the chirological sense of the word, if that, if that is a word, I don't really know. But if it's a word, you, you understand what I mean. In, in, with this awareness of the proper time, this year, this moment, is like no other. It's so unique. It has its own challenges and beauty. And we are living in it. And there's a special call for us in this proper moment that we have to respond to. So what is unique about our time? We could say you know, many things for sure, but this is a high feature, I think, a feature to highlight. This time, it is a time in which Christianity is recessing from the mainstream culture. It is a time when the collective assumption of a Christian worldview is lost. It is a time when the Christian narrative is not the main story in which we all find a common ground anymore. Think about this. We are, as Christians, a minority for the first time in centuries, many centuries. I think the church is somehow slowly coming to realize this. We, as Christians, that we are a minority. For example, I was studying the historical records of American University and chaplaincy. In the early 90s, 300 students were going to Mass every Sunday. And today we have 60 and we are happy. After a lot of work, right? So that decline in, in just a few years is a feature of this time. What was a common assumption is not so anymore. Bishop Fulton Sheen, he wrote in 1974, quote, we are at the end of Christendom, not of Christianity, not of the church, but of Christendom. Now, what is meant by Christendom? Christendom is economic, political, social life as inspired by Christian principles. Society that as a whole has embraced Christianity. He says, that is ending, we have seen it die. This is 1974. But then he says, these are great and wonderful days in, in which to be alive. It is not a gloomy picture. It is a picture of the church in the midst of increasing opposition from the world. And therefore, live your lives in the full consciousness of this hour of testing and rally close to the heart of Christ. It's an hour of testing in which we have to rally close to the heart of Jesus. It's a time for holiness. It's a time for friendship with him and with others. It's a time for belonging. It's a time for transformation. But most of all, I think it's a time for fidelity. Jesus says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. What a claim. What a claim. What an amazing claim. He said this 2,000 years ago, and here we are around him. And it is true. Heaven and earth will pass away, but not my word. It will never pass away. 
So we want to be faithful to this. It's a time most especially to be faithful. You know, in Jesus' teachings, as we find them in the Gospels and are handed on to us by the church, there is life eternal that doesn't pass away. They have an everlasting truthfulness, so to say. They are a solid foundation upon which to build the house of our life. And we can use this image. It came to my mind when I was thinking about these things. You know, it's like a wheel axle. Everything spins around it, but the axle is stable. The center is stable. So that's, the Word of God is like that. It's a stable center. It does not change. And if we think about it, our hearts don't change so much either. Everything changes around us, but our hearts crave the same things. Love, meaning, belonging, beauty, joy, eternal life. Therefore, we as Christians have, like it or not, what the world needs the most. What the world needs the most. We have the word of God that doesn't pass away and the bread of life that gives life eternal. There's nothing better than Christianity. Nothing like it. Christianity is for our hearts like the glove for the hand. It fits us. It's a way that Jesus came to offer. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Peter, in his first post-Pentecost preaching, he was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he proclaimed, listen to this, there is no salvation through anyone else, nor is there any other name under heaven given to the human race by which we are to be saved. There's no other name for the human race, for everyone, through which we're going to find salvation and flourishing and supernatural life. So Peter is saying, this is for everyone. Everyone needs this. This is good news for everyone. Everyone is invited. There's no other way. You can try, but you won't find it because it's the way that came from heaven. So today is a time for fidelity, for being faithful, even when things are shaking. Jesus says today in the gospel, the powers of heaven are shaking and stars are falling and the moon is not shading its light. So many things that we took for granted are not there anymore. Yet his word remains. And it's the time for the few to be faithful. And where should we be faithful? In what area of our lives should we be faithful? Precisely in those areas where we are tempted not to be faithful. In those areas where the pressure of the culture is stronger. There is where we have to hold on to the light that we have received because the light shines in the darkness all the more and is ever needed. Father Cantalamesa, he is a capuchin priest, he's a holy man, he's a preacher for the papal household, and he preached to John Paul II, Benedict, Francis. He's also a scholar on, on early Christianity. He's a, a man that I love a lot. And he says that Christians were able to convert the pagan Roman Empire mainly by two virtues, charity 
and chastity. Charity and chastity. Charity within the community, Jesus says, in this, they will recognize that you are my disciples in the way that you love each other, the way that you treat each other. That is a light that shines and is so much needed today. People are looking for community. But also charity with the ones outside of the community and charity with the poor, with the ones who are suffering, with the ones who are in need. You know, Christians from the very beginning took care of the poor. And when no one, you know, when no one even, when, when the poor were despised, it wasn't even a virtue to, to, to take care of the poor. And they did it. And then chastity. So from the beginning, they were able to form solid and joyful families. And they were able to love according to their own identity as, as a father, as a mother, as a grandfather, as a single man, as a single woman. This discipline of the heart that allows, you, allows us to love deeply. And those virtues first were mocked by pagans, both of them. You're, you're mingling with this despisable people, with these poor people who no one cares about. You're weak. And also they mocked their chastity. But then they, when they grew tired of their own decadence, they turned around to Christians. They needed what they had to rebuild society. And the same will happen to us when this world grows tired of his own decadence, they will see Christ. There's no other way. And they will come to us. So we need that fidelity. We need to keep that light, not only for ourselves, but for everyone. So I would add charity, chastity, and joyful evangelization. I would add that third virtue that is needed, to be bold, to be open about what we have, to share it with generosity, to be clear of what we have, with what we have. Listen, we shouldn't expect quick results. I don't expect quick results. It looks like it's going to get worse before it gets better. Yet, we are in very good hands, very good hands. We know who has the final victory. Jesus says today, and then, and then twice, and then in the proper moment, they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. This is something that we believe as well. You know, we might see some comebacks. The church has seen many comebacks throughout her long history. For example, after the reign of terror in France, there was a huge comeback of the church. And, and for sure, we might see that. But we will also see, or someone will see, the Lord coming back from heaven. He will return with comeback or without it. So I would like to end with this beautiful dialogue in Tolkien's Lord of the Rings that I remember as we were thinking about this. In this dialogue, Sam, if you read the, the book or you saw the movie, he's encouraging Frodo to stay faithful to his call and to his mission, regardless of the dangers and sacrifices. So he's calling him to be faithful. Quote, it's like in the great stories, Mr. Frodo, the ones that really mattered, full of darkness and danger they were, 
And sometimes you didn't want to know the end. Because how could the end be happy? How could the world go back to the way it was when so much bad had happened? But in the end, it's only a passing thing, this shadow. Even darkness must pass. A new day will come. And when the sun shines, it will shine out the clearer. Those were the stories that stay with you, that meant something, even if you were too small to understand why. But I think, Mr. Frodo, I do understand. I know now folk in those stories had lots of chances to, of turning back. Only they didn't. They kept going because they were holding on to something, that there is some good in this world, and it's worth fighting for. Isn't that beautiful? God is the main storyteller. We are in good hands. His is the whole script, beginning to end. His word remains. And the first reading says that his faithful will shine like stars in heaven. His kingdom will come. It will. May we rally to the heart of Jesus.